Welcome to the Generations Church podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Turn to the book of Romans, chapter 6. We are uh, in a series about grace, sufficient, unlocking the mystery of God's grace. We are using the book of Romans to help us understand the term and the, the, the practical part of grace. So grace itself is like a big puzzle. Anybody like puzzles? Putting big puzzles together. My daughter Kelsey, she is the puzzle queen. We have one going in our one of our rooms now. So, so grace is like a big puzzle. And Romans 6 is like taking one quarter of that puzzle, you know, that, that shows grace. And it kind of looks in a little more uh, a, a fine-tuned area of grace. So that's what we're going to look at today. So Romans 6... We're going to talk about this morning grace and sin before I came to Christ. How did sin interact with my life before I came to the Lord? We're going to talk about grace and sin at the moment that I get saved. And we're going to talk about grace and sin after I get saved through Romans 6. Now, Romans 6 uses three illustrations. Now, you got to stay with me this morning. Everybody awake? I'm sure you didn't stay up late watching any ball games last night, right? Everybody was in early, so, uh, uh, so I need you to stay with me. So Romans 6 uses three illustrations, uh, mental images to kind of help us grace and sin. So it uses the illustration of Jesus' baptism. It uses the illustration of a slave. And it uses the illustration of, of death, like a a physical death in someone's life. So just as we kind of walk through those illustrations, you'll know where we're headed. So let's look at grace and sin uh, in my life before Christ. Let's, how, did, how did sin interact in my life? Now, Romans 6 gives us the mental image. He calls sin our masters. So when you get your mental image, I want you to think of the hard, harsh taskmaster called sin, okay? Five times in Romans 6, he calls us slaves to sin. So use that mental image. Sin is our slave master, and we are the slave. We are in chains, okay? Arms, legs, in prison, and we are doing pretty much whatever the slave master asks us to do, okay? So, Use that mental image. So sin, let me just define it for a moment, is rebellion against God and His Word. Okay, so it's like when you tell your teenagers to do something or don't do something around the house and they, let's just say you don't do it and they do it, okay, they violated the rule but they've also shown at some point some disrespect to you personally. So rebellion is against God and His Word. Sin, it is deceptive. It hides the real impact that it's having on my life. Sin is like a cancer. And sometimes it hides the impact that the cancer is taking on my life. I don't always see in what bad shape that I'm in. It's deceptive. It is selfish. Sin is selfish about my own body, my own cravings, my own carnal cravings, lusts, steal, lie, covetousness. A lot of sin is rooted in selfishness. It tempts. It encourages you to do some things, uh, do things sometimes that you really don't want to do. We'll talk about that a little bit later. So sin is always pushing, suggesting things that would walk me further into the path of sin. So it tempts and then it shames. Once it talks you in and, and you walk into sin, then it turns around and says, look what you did. You should be embarrassed. How can you live with yourself? So it draws 
you in through temptation, and then it shames you once once you've acted out that temptation. Uh, sin hides things, you know, from other. Don't tell anyone. It's you know, it's like addictions and that kind of thing. Don't don't tell anyone. Keep that to yourself. So it's always. Wanting you to be discreet. It is never satisfied. It always says, do it once more. Go a little further and we're good. Everyone told that? One more time, just a little further and we're good. And you do it and it's never satisfied. It will push you even further and sin is empty. For whatever reason, man, you're never satisfied. You go down the road to sin. You live full-blown life of sin. But yet there's something down in your heart that is not satisfied, which is why we keep walking further and further in sin. Now, how many of you were a good sinner? I mean, like when you were in sin, you were really good. You weren't a part-timer. You were full-time. All right? Frank's the only one that said he, the, 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 admitted the truth there. All right, got a few others. All right? You know? Like, do you ever look back and just go, what was I thinking? <laughs> what, what was I thinking? When I was in high school, you know, we're, we're driving around in a car, me and some of my friends, we went and bought fireworks, bottle rockets, okay? And we're shooting them out the window as we're driving down the road, okay? Now, we weren't trying to hit people because we went to church. But if we could make them dive and think they were going to get hit, that was even better, Okay? So we, we're driving, we're, we're shooting bottle rockets out of, the, out of the car, and for whatever reason, the bottle rockets ignited the other bottle rockets in the back seats and the firecrackers. So all of a sudden, all of a sudden, man, it's like, I mean, it starts going off, the car starts smoking, we are yelling, we're going down the road, diving out the window, I mean, this car is about to explode. We all jump out of the window. The car's rolling down the road. Smoke coming out. Fireworks, bottle rockets. It finally stops. We go to the car, and it had melted the back seat. There was, you couldn't see cloth. You only saw wire. And my friend is going, my car, my car. What was my mother going to think? Another friend of mine said, my shoe. I can't find my shoe. It blew it right off his foot. I mean, we're just, you ever had that moment when you were going, what, what, am I, what was I thinking? As we slowly start to walk to the gas station, one man worried about his mother, another man with no shoe, you know? I mean, we, some, when, we, when we're in, we're good sinners, and, and, you, and you start walking down that path, and you look back, and you go, what was I thinking? What, what was in my mind? This is not original with me, but I love this quote. It says, sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Some of you want to flirt with it, some of you want to continue to go in its mastery of your life, but I'm telling you, it will exact a toll upon you in this life and the lives to come because we think we're in control, but actually you're not. In some ways, you are a puppet. You are a slave to sin, and it keeps encouraging you in certain areas, and you are following You know what it says. Does that sound familiar to anyone? Some of you... You look at your life and go, man, I did not plan this. I did not plan to go this far down the path. I never thought that I would go this far in, uh, in my life. I know, you're looking back going, man, what am I, what's going on there? Okay, but I just want you to know something this morning. You are not hopeless, all right? You are not hopeless because God has a plan for you. And we've all been there. In this, most in this building, we've been there when we thought there was no hope and we had screwed up our life. But I want you to know that God had a plan for you that He's going to show you to deal with sin in your life. Okay? So that's sin before I came to Christ. I'm like a slave in chains, hand and feet in prison. I've got the slave master. All right? Grace... When I become sin, what, I mean, excuse me, when I become saved. So what happens to me the moment that I get saved? Now listen, God 
did not leave us alone in our sin. Isn't that great? He devised a plan, a rescue mission for you and I, okay, uh, that involved His Son and the grace of God. And He codenamed it grace. That's His plan to save you and I. Now, let's, let's talk about grace for a moment and how it interacts with sin and slavery in my life when I get saved. So just a reminder, grace is an act of God's love and mercy. God loves us just like you love a child, and He was moved in His heart by the brokenness of humanity. Go back to Exodus when He heard the, the groans and the cries of those who were, uh, who were in bondage, and He sent a deliverer in many ways that is familiar to us. He looked upon humanity and he saw the brokenness and he loved us and he had mercy on us and he just didn't send sympathy. All right. Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. So in his love and mercy, you know, he had this plan for us. God, uh, grace draws you and makes you aware of God's love. So God has this initial plan, but then start, God starts drawing you. I mean, you're just going about your business. You're kind of doing your own things, but you start having these thoughts about God. You start having these questions. Maybe there are circumstances in your life that are making you think much more deeply about God, and you're going, where is this coming from? This is kind of, this is kind of random in my life. I want to say no. That is grace that is knocking on your door trying to get you to, to know that there is a God that loves you and that He has a plan for your life. So God draws you, makes you aware of His love. I mean, excuse me, grace draws you. Grace reveals God's gift of salvation. So once you're kind of open to God and what He may be saying to you, then if you'll listen, He will reveal His plan to you about sin and your need for a Savior. God will start to take you down the pathway of Calvary. But also when you recognize this, you also realize that as a slave, there is this yearning in your heart for freedom and you realize the hopelessness of the situation that in this spiritual prison, under this, in this spiritual slavery that you cannot free yourself and the only person that can do that is Jesus so he puts this hope in your heart that your slavery to sin is not permanent but that Jesus is the one that can free you grace reveals God's gift of salvation it is coupled with a heart that says I want to be free I want to be out of this prison and then grace transforms your heart. Now listen to me. Some people think salvation and grace is only forgiveness. Okay, that's they see salvation as one dimensional and grace one dimensional when it happens at our salvation. But I want you to know grace is at work at my salvation. So when what happens is when I open myself up to the Lord, it is a change of heart, okay? We realize it is impossible, you know, just by an act of sheer will, you know, that I become a better person or that I put restraints, self-restraints, self-imposed restraints upon the cravings of the heart, right? Because if we could have done that, we would have already done it. But sin keeps pushing us more and more and we realize my self-imposed restraints are not enough. I need something else. It is impossible. It is like a prisoner that is in chains with his hands and feet in the prison cell trying to free himself. You realize how impossible that it is and it's futile to even try. Now, Romans 6. Okay, Romans 6, 3. I want you to look at it because we're going to walk down this. Now listen. He begins in Romans 6 by using Jesus' baptism to illustrate the end of slavery in my life. Okay, He uses Jesus' baptism to illustrate the end of slavery in my life and the new life that Jesus gives me. Now, in this passage, he uses the term we a lot. Like in Christ, we are buried with him. Okay, So I don't have any other better way to illustrate this than... 
just, it's a woman that's pregnant. She's pregnant, okay? It's the woman, but it's also the, the, the child as well. Wherever the woman goes, the child goes. Whatever happens to the woman, it happens to the child. She eats Mexican, he eats Mexican. All right, you got it? All right, it's a terrible illustration, but it's the only one I could come up with. So when we see the term we, like we are buried with him, we are raised with him, you'll know that we are connected. I want you to have that mental image. All right, so you ready? You're with me this morning, okay? This is going to be liberating to some of you today. All right, verse 3. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death, okay? All of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried, we were buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, we, all of us, too, may live a new life. For if we have been united, we again, with him in death like his, we will certainly also united with him in a resurrection like his. All right? We should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. So Romans 6 shows us two things. Jesus' death ends the control and the slavery of sin has on my life. Okay, we're going to walk through that. The second thing, Jesus' resurrection leads me into a new life. Okay, he's going to show, going to show you that. All right, so he uses the term buried with him in baptism. Buried with him. Verse 7, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. So, illustration. If I have a servant that comes to my house and works, and on the weekend he dies, okay, should I expect him to show up for work on Monday? No. Why? Why? Okay, thank you. Online they had me nervous here for a moment. Because he's dead, okay? And when he dies, the relationship that we had was dissolved because he's dead, okay? The expectations that I have for him are gone because he's dead, all right? So the relationship and expectations are over. So when it says we are buried with him, or uses the term dead to sin, that means through the death of Jesus, the slave master no longer has control over my life. I am no longer a slave because I was buried with him in baptism or buried with him at his death. I died to the mastery of sin and it now it no longer rules over my life. Its rule and reign over me is now gone. Why? Because I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm dead. You don't, you don't, you don't have any control over me anymore. I'm dead. That relationship has been dissolved. Its habits, listen to me, its habits and desires no longer control me. Why? I'm dead. I'm dead. So if you have a servant who works for you and he dies over the weekend, do you expect him at work on Monday? No. Why? Because he's dead. And the relationship is now dissolved. The expectations are now done away with. So I'm just telling you, sin's control over me that I'm not a slave anymore is gone through the power of the cross. I am a prisoner now that has been set free. I'm not a slave anymore because he's dead. We died in him. We died in him. We had a terrible Terrible thing in our country in the 1800s. We had people that owned other people. They were slaves. Chains. Terrible treatment. 
January 1, 1863, President Lincoln wrote the Emancipation Proclamation that says all enslaved people in the states currently engaged in rebellion against the Union shall then and thenceforward be forever free. From this moment now, he said to the slaves, you're free. In the future, you are free. I want to tell you, Romans 6 to the believer is the emancipation proclamation that Jesus' death upon the cross uh, ended the mastery and the slavery that I have over my life. And if I access that through faith in Jesus, my days as a slave to sin are over. Would you give him praise this morning? Would you give him praise? All right. So how does grace work at salvation? So we're buried with him at his death. So the mastery of sin is over, okay? Then it, then it talks about his resurrection. So there's two points out of Romans 6 that are really important. So look at verse 4. We were therefore buried with him. We were buried with him through baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Verse 5, for if we have been united with Him in a death like this, we will certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like Him. So, we were buried with Him and we were raised with him, verse 11 says in the same way, count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So listen to me. I am not forgiven only. Some people, when you talk about salvation, they only think about forgiveness, okay? But they're forgetting the other work of grace that is freeing me from the slavery of sin because of his death. I'm in him. Now, because of his resurrection, I can walk into his newness of life. I want to tell you, it's a much better message for Easter than we get a new dress or we get new clothes or we get some new things. Let me tell you, I am resurrected. I can walk in the newness of life because of his resurrection. I'm not just forgiven now. I step into a new life, new identity because of his resurrection. And now I have chosen to follow Jesus. And that is working in my life. I start over. I get a second chapter. All the files were deleted from all of my sin. I have a new identity because of his resurrection. Now let me just say for clarity, okay? If you owe a mortgage the day before you were saved, once you get saved, you still owe that mortgage. You can't call the bank and go, hey, I'm sorry, that was the old person. That was my old life. You know, no, you keep paying that mortgage. All right, but spiritually, you have a new identity. You're walking in the newness of life. The mastery of slavery is now over. And now we step into the resurrected life that Jesus gives us that we access by faith. All right, got it? So those are the two things. I'm freed from the mastery of slavery. And now because of his resurrection, it's just not a sermon that's something that happened to Jesus. His resurrection happened to me. And I can walk and live in that resurrection. Now, here's a question. All right, if I have a problem with sin, how confident can I be that I'm saved? Listen to me. If I have a problem with sin, how confident can I be that I'm saved? Because we assume that a sin problem must mean a salvation problem. We assume that a sin problem now must have been a salvation problem. And I say, you are incorrect. Grace starts the transformation for me when I accept Christ and ask grace to work in my life. So grace starts the transformation and grace continues to transform me as I serve Jesus. Listen, He knows that failure is part of the transformation that you will go through like a toddler that falls down. You don't yell at the toddler. You get the toddler, you get the toddler back up. So, if you are having some issues with sin, listen to me, 
that is not necessarily a salvation problem. Sometimes we get that confused. Listen, because we think if there's a sin problem, there's a salvation problem. And then we don't really walk into the fact that the mastery of slavery is now gone and I can walk into the newness of life and we get all confused because we think that we're not really saved. I'm just telling you this morning that if you express faith in Jesus Christ and you were sincere when you had that prayer with Jesus, then grace has set you free and you're walking in the newness of life. And if there are issues of sin, God deals with him differently, but a sin problem doesn't necessarily mean that it's a salvation problem. Are you with me this morning? Okay? A sin problem. I'm saved. I'm saved. Doesn't mean I'm perfect from that moment. That's what some people think. Well, if I had a bad day on Monday, then what happened on Sunday probably wasn't real. You were wrong. You're wrong. Faith in Christ. Sincerity. In that, and then grace begins to work in my life. And there are some people they see an instantaneous change, some people it's more progressive. But in that moment, I don't want you to doubt that the cross of Jesus Christ has an impacted your life. Because if we get confused with that, we won't deal with sin like we need to deal with it and go, You're not my slave master anymore, I'm free. We'll just go, Well. I probably wasn't saved. And that is a confusion that the enemy would sow into your heart so that you'll continue to walk with sin. Are you with me this morning? You got me? Okay. All right. Grace and sin after I'm saved. So grace saves me. It doesn't mean I'm perfect from the moment that I leave church. But it does mean the mastery of slave. I'm not a slave anymore and I'm walking in the newness of the new life that He's given me. All right, so this is the Monday after salvation, okay? Now, if you think the slave master just gives up and goes, oh boy, oh wit. Man, he had a time on Sunday. I guess I'm done with wit. I guess I'll move on to Josh Core because I can't, I'm not going to be able to bother wit anymore. You're wrong. Because the mastery of slavery still tries to work back in our life and re-exert his mastery and draw me back in as a slave. But I'm already free. I mean, I'm already already free. So let's look at verse 12. Verse 12 that talks about grace and sin after I'm saved. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Don't let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Offer every part of yourself to Him as an instrument of righteousness. And then He reminds us again, For sin shall no longer be your master, because you're not under the law, but you're under grace. So he reminds you of that illustration again. So he tells us two things on the Monday after salvation. I'm going to stand firm in the fact that God has saved me. And now on Monday, God's going to start working the other part out of my life. And it tells me to do two things in this passage. Number one is resist when sin tries to come and go, Hey, remember me? Remember remember me? Don't let sin reestablish itself in your life. Don't let it live again in your house. Sometimes we're passive over that. We don't resist. We don't declare. We don't pray. We don't remind sin and evil that, that, that their slavery, their, Im, their impact on my life is, is now over. So, on Monday, When the cravings and lust and profanity and violence and impure thoughts start coming back to your life, you know what you say to them? Hey, sorry, I'm I'm dead. That's not me anymore. that's That's the old, that's the old guy. I'm dead. Sin doesn't have, remember verse 14, sin should no longer be your master. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, that relationship has been dissolved. Okay, so we resist. We don't yield. We don't turn over to sin. I want to tell you, 
I, and I do that, I just do it pretty much every day. I pray the Lord's Prayer pretty much every day. I start my day with the Lord's Prayer. But there is an important part of the Lord's Prayer that if you're, that, that you're missing, I think it can help you. It says, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. So even Jesus said to the slave that has been set free, we still need to be on our guard because the old slave master can come back. So we need to resist. We need to pray. Lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. So number one, he says resist. You know, resist. Uh, Don't let sin reign in your body. And then he says, offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. So now, listen, now I'm resisting, I'm praying, I'm realizing that sin is trying to re-exert itself in my life, so I'm resisting, but now, now I'm going to offer, he says, every part of yourself as an instrument of righteousness. Mind, body, speech. Now I'm going to start my growth into the cleansing grace that the Lord has provided for me. If I fail on Monday, I'm not throwing in the towel. I'm just realizing that I've got to to grow and get stronger in certain areas. So I'm offering every part. That means, man, good speech. That means I'm going to go to church. That means I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, do good good behaviors. I'm going to encourage. I'm going to pray. I'm going to go on a missions trip to Arkansas. I'm going to do that. I'm going to hang around some good people. I'm going to do everything I can to offer myself uh, into righteousness and holiness. Now, I ask you, how many of you were good sinners? And Frank was the only one that was honest. But I know some of you because I know your story. Okay, So I'm just saying to you, In the same way that you approached evil, you took every advantage to do God knows what. Now we're going to walk into righteousness, holiness, and godliness. Now with the same enthusiasm that I used to walk down the path of sin, I am looking for opportunities for God's holiness and God's goodness to be in my life. And I'm offering every part of myself as an instrument of righteousness. Okay, So on the Monday after salvation... I'm resisting. I'm regularly resisting. I'm regularly reminding the devil and I'm regularly reminding sin that they, I'm a freed slave and I'm not going back to that junk anymore. But also I begin to walk out in righteousness and godliness. I try every, every opportunity that I have to serve God. And what you'll find is there's a momentum with that. Like sin, there's a momentum with sin. <laughs> you get worse and worse. Listen, there's a momentum with righteousness. When you start living for God, when you start concerned about holiness, what happens is the impact of sin becomes less and less. Those cravings and lust, they, they, they decrease as we're walking in holiness and righteousness. So, so we resist, but we also walk into God's righteousness and holiness. Then he asked the question, what then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law? But under grace, so he's saying, now that we're walking in this, we're freed slaves, you know. Do, do we keep sinning because God's grace will cover it? Do we keep sinning because God's grace will cover it? Or if my sins are forgiven, does it matter how that I live? And he says to that, by no means. We don't think that way. We don't think that way. Do we keep sinning because God's grace will cover it? No. We don't do that. Look at 16. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. Verse 17. But thanks be to God, though you used to be slaves to sin. Anybody want to say amen right there? We used to be slaves to sin. Look. You have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. And he reminds us again with this illustration. You have been set free from sin, but now you are slaves to righteousness. So the answer to that is no. We are not to go because I can be forgiven. I'm going to keep sinning 
because God will forgive me. Now, if that's in your thinking, man, you are walking in a dangerous area. We are not to abuse God's grace. We should have the desire to live a godly and holy life. Okay? So if you're wondering to some people, how far can I go? That's an even dangerous question to ask. Can you sin? Well, yeah, yeah. But we need to be careful when our heart wants to sin. Okay? I was in, I was in uh, I'll give you an illustration of my clothes. I was in Ecuador. I was on a missions trip. And they, they took us to a farm, a very rural farm. So we meet the farm owner, and we walk. It was muddy. It had been raining. And we walk to the back where the livestock is, okay? Now, I realize I'm American, you know. I, my smells and that kind of thing, I'm a, probably a little different, you know. So we start getting closer to the livestock, and we got close to the pig pen. And let me tell you, I just wanted to throw up. I mean, it was the worst foul. I mean, it was this big black muddy area. These pigs, they're probably four or five hundred pounds. I didn't want to be rude, but I put my shirt over my nose because I figured that was better than just throwing up on their property. So I'm just, you know, I almost swore off on pork. I just thought, if this is pork, I'm done. I'm not, I'm not eating it anymore. And I look around, it's all muddy. Here's the livestock. The sheep are over on the other side. They're out of a pen. And they've got mud on their coats. But they didn't like it. It was uncomfortable to them. So they're trying to shake the mud off, even going up to trees and trying to, you know, lean up against the trees so that mud will be scraped off. It was uncomfortable to them. But the pigs had a completely different attitude on the mud. They're home. They're just laying in it, not moving. That stench, that... You know, they, I don't know if pigs smile, but I think they were smiling, okay? I mean, they're, they're home. They weren't uncomfortable. They weren't trying to get out. They were, just, they were just there, okay? They were just there. And I just want to tell you, you know, here's what we need to watch as believers. We're walking in righteousness and holiness who are dealing with sin and we're growing in grace. As long as there's this uncomfortable nature to sin, where you are convicted and you want to pray and there's brokenness and you want to do better in your life. You're like the sheep. It had mud on it, but it was, it was uncomfortable. You know, then that's fine. That's the way it should be, that we're walking, we're growing in grace, we're walking in our sanctification, we're growing in our holiness, okay? That's fine. But some are like the pig. Sin doesn't bother you anymore. It doesn't convict you. You don't think about it. You're just home. You're laying in that cesspool of iniquity. But your spiritual sensibilities have long since passed. And you don't even recognize it anymore. It's just home. Living in the mud. You're living in the filth. You're not even moved. Okay? Some of you, that's what I'm, I'm concerned about. Okay? Listen. Listen. When we fall into sin, we have sin working in our life. It happens. Nobody's perfect. And we're growing in grace. God is perfecting us and making us more like Christ. As long as that's in our heart, that's fine. As long as there's brokenness and conviction and we're reading God's word and we're realizing that the stuff that's going on in our life, that's fine. But then some, you're just laying there. Doesn't bother you. There's no conscience. There's no conviction. You're walking in spiritual jeopardy at that point. I don't care what happened to you back at the time of salvation. You've slowly walked away in God where there's no impact on its life. Brent, worship team, you guys can come. If we find ourselves with repetitive sin in our life, we might experience God's love through discipline. Okay? All right? Because when we sin on Monday, God doesn't kick us out. I mean, is that what you do to your toddler? Hey, you're two. Stop falling down. I know 30% of your weight is in your head, but you should have this mastered. No. No. Because we realize that over a period of time, that toddler's going to grow and he's going to learn. His balance is going to come. So God's not there to punish us. He's not harsh. 
looking to punish every time we sin after our experience with salvation. He is a gracious, loving Father who cares about us and is patient with us as we grow. He's patient with us. And His discipline helps keep us from harm or the pull of sin. So there are times that God disciplines us. Sometimes through His Word, we read and we're reminded Oh, whoa, out of bounds. We feel a grieving in our heart. That's the Holy Spirit. No, stop. Red light. Or sometimes circumstances happen. He's getting our attention. Hebrews 12. My son, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. And don't lose heart when He rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one He loves. I don't go to Walmart and spank somebody else's child, even though I want to sometimes. There's only three that's my focus. Because I love them, okay? Because the Lord disciplines the ones He loves and He chastens the ones He accepts as His son. His chastening and His discipline is a sign that God loves me, okay? Endure hardship is discipline. God is treating you as His children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you're not disciplined and everyone uh, undergoes discipline, then you're not the legitimate, you're not legitimate, not the true sons and daughters of all. Okay? So when we start to walk down that path and we start to stray a little bit, God's not kicking us out in that moment. That's not why the cross came, you know, that Jesus came to the cross so he could see how many few people he could get into heaven. Okay? But he chastens us. God does not say you're terrible. I'm done with you, toddler. You can't walk. You've had a month to perfect this thing. No. He loves us and He's patient with us. Listen, so if you're having an issue with sin in your life after your salvation, okay, and God started chastening you, God started spanking you, maybe there's some circumstances that have happened, that's just a sign that God loves you. Not that He's given up on you or that He's he's angry with you, okay? All right? All right, Romans 6. Romans 6, I'm free from the slavery of sin. I'm walking in the newness of the life that Christ has given me, okay? I'm, I'm a new person, okay? And if after that there's some sin in my life, God can deal with that as long as it's kind of uncomfortable to me and, and I'm growing in my grace, it will always be uncomfortable. It won't ever be natural to me. But if there's a moment that God tries to chasten me, that's good because it's just showing me who my Father is. Give the Lord praise this morning. Let's praise Him. Lord, thank You. Thank You. Thank You. Thank You. Thank You, Lord. So I want to pray. I want to pray this morning. Maybe you're like the first person. Your life before grace. Sin has been in control. There's things going on in your life. Zigging out of control. There's this this uncomfortable part of your heart. But you're like, man, maybe, maybe there's an answer a spiritual answer, an answer with God, I'm telling you there is. And if you're having those thoughts, God's already God's already knocking on your door. Give the Lord the chance. Or maybe you say, man, I'm, I'm doubt that I've saved because of some sin issues in my life, okay? And, and now today's the day to make the declaration of what the Lord has done on the cross, that you're no longer a slave to sin. Some of you need to make that distinction <laughs> no confusion okay I'm, I'm saved I'm a child of God sin is not my master and I'm going to enjoy the new life that Christ has given me okay or maybe there's some on the Monday after I know that I'm saved but I have some sin in my life that I need to deal with there's some stuff going on I'm not happy with and I, I'm going to pray again today for extra grace and the spirit of the Holy Spirit that sanctifies. I cannot birth spiritual fruit on my own. That only comes from the Holy Spirit. Or there may be some of you today that you totally walked away 
you saw God do something powerful, man, and you're like the pig laying in the mud. You don't think about it. There's no conviction. There's no, there's nothing in your heart. I'm telling you, that's a warning sign to you. But there's always a way back to the cross. Doesn't matter how far you've gone. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter what sin. You know, the prodigal knew better. But the father said, come on back. Come on back. Would you raise, would you stand with me this morning? every eye closed online I want you to participate this is not just for the in person maybe you're here maybe your life's out of control man and this morning you really just need to give your life over to the Lord you need to have the give that opportunity for Jesus to work in your in your life and if you're here this morning in person you just need to re kind of Focus your life back on Jesus really quick. Every head bowed, eye closed. Would you just raise your hand up and down? Say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm not really where I should be this morning. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Online, man, put a put a private message. Our moderators will, will be in touch with you. How many of you, how many of you in your life go, man, I've just had this confusion because there's some sin in my life. I'm not really sure where I stood with God. But now I'm just, this morning, I'm going to make that declaration again that I'm a servant of God and that sin no longer, I'm not a slave to sin anymore. If that's you, really quick, just raise your hand up and down. So I'm going to make that declaration of my freedom today. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. Or maybe you're here this morning and you say, I know I'm saved, but I got some things that I need to get out of my life. I need to let the Lord deal with. I've been carrying this around too long. Just real quick, up and down, would you raise your hand? Say, Pastor, pray for me. Yeah, yeah. We're all growing in grace and sanctification. Maybe there's some of you here this morning. You just go, hey, man, I've, I've walked away. God did something in my life a long time ago, and I am the prodigal. I've walked away. I want to come back this morning. And if that's you today, that's you today, we're going to give you an, an opportunity to make your life right with God. Worship team is going to sing this morning. These altars are open. If you just want to come pray, you just want to come, whatever, nobody's going to ask you. If you want to tell somebody, that's fine, but nobody's going to ask you and leave you kind of private there. But if God's speaking to you this morning, man, let the Holy Spirit do his thing in your life. So Lord, I pray over this congregation. God, I pray the power of grace being released. Slaves to sin that are walking out of prison doors this morning. Lord, forgiveness is flowing from Calvary. Lord, people that have, it had been spoken in their life, you're a failure, you're lost. There's no way Lord, you are reminding them this morning that you are your, their, their child. Lord, you have saved them and they are walking free today. And there is hope and healing through the power of the cross. I pray over that today. I pray over that. So, Lord, I pray today. I pray for those, Lord, who are walking in sin. Lord, they've got some stuff in their life. God, I pray for the cleansing power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that they would walk into the conviction, Lord, that they are feeling. I pray that they'll not only resist, but they'll begin to walk as an instrument of righteousness. Lord, as we live for sin and evil with the same passion, let us walk into godliness. Let us walk into holiness. Lord, I pray, and Lord, that's going to loosen that impact and that craving of sin over my life. Lord, I, I, want to say, I want you to do this this morning. We're just going to declare Romans chapter 6 over our life this morning. We're going to just remind evil and sin that we are slaves that have been set free. Don't be sitting like you're in the jail with the prison door open and the chains and the chains gone and you're still in the prison. Time for you to walk out. You are an emancipated slave through the burial of Christ in the resurrection of uh, the resurrection of Christ. We're we're not going to live as slaves. We're not going to live under we're free of that. So let's declare that this morning all across this building, Lord. We thank you, Lord, 
that because of your death, we are now free. Lord, the chains and the shackles have been broken off of me. That prison door has swung wide. Sin no longer has a mastery over me anymore. I am free and I walk in that freedom today. Lord, I declare, Lord, I declare today that I I have died to sin. It no longer has control over my life. Some of you need to say that this morning. Some of you need to declare that. Some of you need to walk out of that prison. Those shackles and chains are gone and you're still there. You got the mindset of a prisoner. You got the mindset of a slave. It's time for you to get that mind of Christ on you this morning. You're free through the power of Jesus, through the resurrection of Jesus now. Lord, we walk into the newness of life that you've given us where sin is offensive to us. But Lord, there's a part of us that wants to grow in righteousness and holiness and sanctification. And I pray, Lord, the cleansing transformation that comes through grace, the cleansing transformation, Lord, that grace provides to forgive my sin and sanctify my life. I pray a river of grace. Why don't you say that this morning? Say, say, cleanse me, Holy Spirit. Free me. Holy Spirit, I'm not walking as a slave anymore. I don't live under the mastery of sin anymore. I've been free through the cross of Jesus. Some of you need to pray that this morning. Some of you need to walk in that word this morning. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You're cleansing, you're free grace this morning. God's doing some of that in your life today. Some of you, God's setting you free. God's setting you free. Oh, Jesus. 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 Lord, we praise you today. Come on, give him praise this morning. He's liberating some of you. 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 Listen, listen. I feel this word in my heart this morning. Some of you are sitting in a prison. You're sitting in a prison and the chains are gone and the doors are open and you're still living as though you're a slave. But I want to remind you that when you died in Christ, man, that relationship with sin, that was dissolved. The expectations are over. You are not who you were in your previous life. That person is dead. You are a new person walking in the newness of life. Praise God. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.